Our sermon Bible reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through to 31. I'm Kerry, for you who don't know me, and I have the privilege this morning of reading God's word. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of your estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Well, hello. My name is Jacob. I'm a farmer, a second born of two sons to my father, Eli. But you know me best as the prodigal son. I was dealt a good hand. I had plenty of freedom, plenty of food, plenty of love, but it was never enough. And so I did the unthinkable. Today I want to tell you my story. But before you say, ah, the prodigal son, I've heard that one before, I think you might be surprised. Life, family life in the Middle East is very different to life in the Western world. And you might just learn a thing or two about myself, my brother, and particularly 
my father. So let me start at the beginning. What can I say? Well, I didn't hate him. I just wanted his things. And uh, I grew restless. My heart longed for the, the city, for the, for the entertainment and pleasures that could be had. Life on the farm was boring and dull. And so when I could bear it no longer, I came up to my father and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I might as well have said to him, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because that was the impact of those words. No one asked for their inheritance while their father was still alive. And of course, the inheritance in those days was land. Me being the younger son was entitled to one third, my brother two thirds. But it wouldn't matter. My dad was uh, well off. It would be plenty. And I knew my dad would not hold back anything from me. He was generous and kind. And I had to do it quickly because not only my desire to leave, but also because nothing stays secret in Middle Eastern towns. Word had got out of my request and uh, it caused a bit of a scandal. We have what's called in our society Quetzatza ceremonies. Quetzatza ceremony was enacted when someone tried to sell their land. It means one who is cut off. And what would happen, the relatives of that person would come to the land, they'd bring corn and nuts and put it in a jar, and they'd come to the land and they'd smash the jar on the land, declaring so-and-so is cut off from his people, from his inheritance, from his community. So knowing that ceremony awaited my return, I planned never to come back. And I know it pained him, and the land had been in our, gener- in our, land, in our family for generations and generations. It was part of us. But it was more than the land. It was me. I'd turned my back on his teaching, his love, his home. But gathering together the proceeds of the land and all that I had, I headed off for a distant country. I wanted to get as far away from the village as possible. I didn't want any word travelling back of what I'd done. So what did I do? Well, I've heard it said I squandered my wealth in wild living, in reckless living, in desolate living. There was even rumours of prostitutes. Truth was, I just threw away my money on wastefulness. Whatever I saw, I bought. I went for all the pleasures I can imagine. It was drugs, you name it. And I thought having all that freedom, having that money, uh, buying what I wanted, doing what I wanted would bring me great joy and contentment. But for every new purchase, for every new experience, the whole remained. The emptiness was there. I went through that inheritance like the desert sand running through my hands. And it wasn't long before it was all gone. Of course, it didn't help that there was a famine in the land and everyone was in need. And of course, in hardships, people turned to their family. But that was the one thing I couldn't do. So from the first time since leaving home, I went looking for work. But there just was nothing. I ended up latching on to a, a family that kept pigs. They didn't want me there. It was obvious, obvious by the chore they gave me, feeding their pigs out on the farm. It was the lowest I'd ever gone. I imagine what the village would think of me now if they could see me in the pig pen feeding these pigs. I was paid a pittance, barely enough to live on, and of course I couldn't join the family around the dinner table at night eating pork. So I stayed in the pig pen. I looked at what they ate, and I was envious of them. For they were full, but here I was starving to death. And so I made a tough decision. I would play my final card, I'd go back to my father and I'd beg him to take me on as a craftsman, as a hired hand. I couldn't go back as a servant. They don't earn anything. 
for one, and I certainly couldn't return as a son. I'd burnt that bridge. But a hired hand, someone who could earn money, perhaps in time work my way back into the family, restore some of the inheritance that I'd lost, being reinstated into the community. But I had to show remorse. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm now not worthy to be called your son now, but in time I could be. So I gathered my things together and I headed back. I kept going over what awaited me when I came back to the village. I knew they would be mad. I knew my brother also would be furious. So much depended on my father and his ability to take me on or to find someone to take me on as a hired hand. And I knew negotiations would be tough. The Quetzatza ceremony still awaited and they'd surely want to enact it now. Not only had I lost my inheritance, I'd done it to Gentiles who kept pigs. Well, like I said, everything that happens at my village is everyone else's business. And I wasn't a second over the hill towards the homestead when there was chaos. People started pointing at me, running in all directions. It was obvious that word had travelled home of what I had done. And within two minutes of the village, I heard the slander, the spitting in my direction, the, the look of harm in their eyes. But then I looked up and I saw a sight that I'll never forget. My old man had his robe up in one hand and he was running down that hill towards me as fast as his bung leg would carry him. And I can honestly say I have never ever seen a grown man run in my community. It just wasn't done. It was undignified. Only young boys ran. And for the owner of a state to be running, even the proverb says, he who hastens his feet sins. But he ran because he needed to reach me before anyone else could. He alone could protect me. Of course, the village... As were, well, they were waiting for him to enact revenge, to uphold the honour of the family, to make amends. But he didn't slow. He reached me, he wrapped me in his arms, he swept me off my feet, he kissed me with pig manure and all, and he kept crying at the top of his voice. He said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Of course, the best robe was my father's robe, and with that wrapped around me, no one dared question my father's decision. He called for the ring for my finger and sandals for my feet. Everything that signified dignity and honour and respect and sonship. And through his tears, he, he cried out, My son, my son, he was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. You know, I wandered into that village as lost as the day I left. Still determined to earn my way back. Still without remorse. But like a shepherd who seeks out a lost sheep, or a woman who sweeps a house for a lost coin. My father sought out and found me and wrapped me in his love. And in that love, I threw away my last card. I couldn't even finish my well-prepared speech for I realised I didn't need to anymore. For it wasn't an issue of money. It was an issue of a broken heart and a relationship. And I did the only thing I could I fell into my father's arms and I received his love. Well, I must say, that night we had the biggest celebration the community's ever seen. The fatted calf was killed, 150 guests or so came, family, dignitaries, all our distant relatives, they were all there celebrating my father's kindness and my return. And we danced and we sang, we ate and we laughed right into the night. It was the greatest night of my life. That was until 
my brother appeared. He'd been out in the field working, heard the music, decided to come and see what was happening. A servant had told him that I'd come home and my father had killed the fatted calf. And I'd hoped he'd come in and celebrate with us. But instead he started a slow burn, a tantrum, started swearing and cursing. My father, embarrassed, rose from the banquet to attend to him. Where my father went, half the guests went with him. So it wasn't long before most of the banquet were out in the courtyard. Music stopped. The banquet came to a standstill. Now, I know I can't speak, but what I did was terrible. But at least what I said to my father was done in the privacy of our home. He or my brother was shaming my father for everyone to hear. He said, he said to, my, to my father, Look, all these years I've been slaving away from you and never once disobeyed your order, yet you never even gave me a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. Who was he kidding? Saying he's slaving away from it for his father when he owned the farm now. The inheritance had been divided up. Everything he did was working towards his own prophets and to say he'd never disobeyed his father while publicly shaming him in front of everybody to, to think our father had been like a master when he'd sold the inheritance and given it to him our father had only ever treated us kindly and lovely but what i think he really upset him was the fact that the fatted calf had been killed for me the calf that would have well really belonged to him which showed that he too was interested in the father's things more so than the father. But what really upset me was the fact that having his long-lost brother home was obviously no cause of celebration in his mind. And even though our family and friends and neighbours were all at that event, those were obviously not my brother's friends or his community. But he wasn't finished there. He kept going. But when this son of yours comes home, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him? I noticed he couldn't call me brother, nor even look me in my eyes. And I realised at that point he really did hate me. And to mention the prostitutes, that was was just cruel and vindictive, for it never happened. And no self-respecting family would even consider me as a prospective husband for their daughter, if there was even a hint of that. In fact, he didn't mention the pigs. It was evident enough that he was just making it up, and neither cared nor knew what had happened to me when I was away. You know that the older brother was supposed to be the one that upheld the honour of the family, that made amends, that kept the peace. I wondered what it would have been like to have a brother like that. Sometimes, uh, particularly at my lowest point in in the pig pen, I imagined that my brother was coming looking for me, coming into the village, speaking with the elders. Have you seen my brother? He looks a bit like me, a bit shorter. Dark hair, cocky, lots of money. He would have come through this way about a month or so ago. My dad misses him. So do I. And we just want to take him home. But he never came because he never cared. Well, the villagers were, they would have rejoiced. Servants, musicians, even the family. If my dad had picked up his walking stick and brought it down on my brother with a resounding crack. But he didn't. My beloved boy, he said, everything I have is yours and I'm always with you. My father was reminding my brother that he'd always been there 
He'd only ever been kind and loving. And quite literally everything that he owned now belonged to the older brother, to his firstborn son. Perhaps he was allaying my brother's fears that now that I was back, he would divide my brother's share of the inheritance with me. But he's saying, no, all your rights, all your privileges, they're still intact. So come in and celebrate. For your brother was lost, but he's alive. He was dead. He's found now. And for the second time that day, my father extended sacrificial and costly love to one of his sons and begged him to receive it. And that's where the story ends. Of course, Jesus told this story because in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says that all the sinners and tax collectors were coming to Jesus. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law grumbled and complained, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And he told this story for those who had wandered away from God, who were outcasts, who were sinners, who'd lived a wild life in rebellion against God. He told them so that they could recognise that if they come to their senses, God will celebrate, embrace them and celebrate their return. But he also sold it to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders. One, so that they might recognise what God was doing and join in and celebrating sinners coming to God. But two, and probably most importantly, so that they might recognise themselves in this story as the older brother who thinks that they're at home with God but are just as lost as the younger one in their self-righteousness, in their desiring the things of God rather than God himself. And I think Jesus is saying that we can be wandering away in the distant land, angry, God, wanting nothing to do with him, living a wild life. But we can be equally lost from God, sitting in the pews of church each week without having any relationship with the Father at all. Well, how does the story end? I would love to say that my brother came to his senses put his arm around his dad and one around me and we all went into the banquet together and celebrated into the night. That's not what happened. My brother was so incensed at my father's love and kindness that he bent down and he picked up a stake in the form of a cross and he slammed it down on my old man's head until he lied dying and bleeding on the ground. Because the Pharisees never understood that it's not works that earn your way to God. It's receiving his offer of love. Let's pray. Father, of all things, we thank and praise you that while we were far off, you met us in your son, brought us home, <coughs> dying and living. He declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. Heavenly Father, if we've identified with one of these sons here today, help us to come to our senses, recognise that your love awaits, and to come and receive that. In Jesus' name, amen.